It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brandon Nell. We're back and, and the Springboks are off this week. Well, not really off. They're sitting around waiting for a bunch of permutations to happen and uh, all sorts of conspiracy theories rearing their heads again. Uh, in the World Cup, uh, I'm Brendan Nell. This is To The Last Drop um, with Liam Delcom. And today we have a special guest, uh, uh, DHL Stormers uh, coach uh, John Dobson. Welcome, Doa. Uh, thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Liam. Thanks for having me. In this, I've been enjoying this podcast over the last what's it, month and a bit now, whatever it is. But thanks very much. Come. Thank you. You're too kind. Welcome. <laughs> thanks. Now, Dobby, you, you're sitting in, in the wilderness at the moment, uh, not, hopefully not uh, figuratively, but uh, just literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're literally in the wilderness. Uh, um, the, we played SVDN a friendly last week on Friday night. And this week we're actually playing two, we've got two teams playing, SVDN, uh, one, one of our Stormers teams playing SVDN, and the other one playing the Sharks are coming down. Uh, so it's like a 10 days in the wilderness and amongst all the hippies and the and the sea and other attractions. <laughs> There's a couple yeah. of good spots there if you wanted to do, um, uh, you know, a couple of markets where you can get good briskets. So um, keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> We've been offered biscuits and cookies. <laughs> I think you guys have got cross lines here. I think I think Andy was talking about brisket and you were talking about biscuits. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> two sorry. different things. <laughs> Oh, crap. Very different. <laughs> well, this is a good start to the pod, at least. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, everybody forgets that, the, 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 I mean, we're all in the middle of the World Cup at the moment, but everybody sort of forgets that yeah, um, URC starts in a couple of weeks' time. Sort of, so you guys have been hard at work. Yeah, I mean, we start our first game to the Lions away, which is the week of the semi-final. Um, so, yeah, we we two weeks off, yeah, pretty much two weeks off our first game. We on week. I'm looking at my calendar. Week week ten of preseason. I know. I'm not sure who the Bulls have played. I think they're playing the, the Lions now, and the Lions played the Sharks last week. So yeah, it's very much under the radar for obvious and right reasons. But it's going it's going to become like a wave that jacks up on us quite quickly now. I think. Obviously, with the change to URC two years ago, uh, it, it took a little while to get used to. I mean, I were the guys finding sort of getting through the new rhythm of a, of another season, especially in preparation for. A, for new campaign. Yeah, look, I think the World Cup has made it a bit, a bit more odd because we pushed back basically, I think last year we started the last week of September. So pushing back the extra month uh, probably been useful actually, yeah, to be honest. After what we all went through, I mean, all of us, the whole industry went through, we, we sort of rolled and we, we rolled into, we started that super rugby, then we had that break, we rolled into COVID, rolled into a first bewildering URC, a bewildering uh, Heineken Cup season. Um, to have an extra little month in this off-season, I think it's been really useful. Now it almost feels like we're about to go through a normal process, which is good. How, how have your new signings been um, coming through? Especially, I mean, a lot of talk about Ben Loder and maybe just explain to those who haven't, don't know why you guys signed him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unlike us to to go, for lots of reasons, it's unlike us to go to the foreign market. That's the curious thing, Brendan. Normally wings fall off trees in the Western Cape. Um, and uh, <laughs> for some reason, our production line, they sort of dried up. I mean, I could tell <laughs> hasn't been helped by um, you know, a lot of our wings being helped, uh, attracted to go elsewhere, which is yeah, which is the market and probably a lot to do with our fault. Um, but, uh, you know, it's when we lost Sia Bella Sonatla, um, one thing we have discovered in the URC is sort of crystal 
clarity on our game plan. And uh, our wings have to be strikers, guys, can chase kicks. And so, um, and then London Irish, you know, we, we saw that thing came down and we, we liked Ben Loder. We played against him twice in the games, one the, in the, the Champions League Cup games, one in Cape Town, one in London. And uh, one in London, he got Ricard, he did a high tackle of Armani. But we were super impressed with him. So we, but we, we knew we didn't really have the ability, too much ability to get after him. So we dropped something about us trying to go after Henry Rundle, which would have been like something out of Harry Potter. We could never get him. Uh, but we actually after Ben Loder and, uh, he actually wanted to, he's a really good guy. He wanted to wait until he made sure that his other friends in London Irish had jobs. There's no chance London Irish being resurrected. And he's put it in brilliantly. He's a top, he's going to be really, really good. Um, he's physical, can play 11, 14, 15, kicks off both feet, got real X factor. He's fitted in really well. Um, Warwick's comeback is Warwick. Luckily, comeback is the next version. I know 2.0. He's, uh, you know, he's, I think he's learned some hard yards in France, you know, like, uh, life isn't always greener. So Warwick's great. Uh, Warwick is going to be a game changer for us because it also allows us to play, to mess around a bit with Damien. Um, you know, Damien could go in other positions, move forward, gives us more depth of fly half. Uh, and the two, the two loose heads, Lizo and Steve have been wonderful. Uh, cause we lost in a sense. People say, why do you get two loose heads? Uh, Brocky's, you know, Brocky must be 47 or 48 by now. So he's, he couldn't really <laughs> run, run around at loose head anymore. Um, no, but with, with France at the World Cup for so long and we'll need a break. And, um, with, uh, Sazi Sandy, we think he's a hell of a promising tight head, got quite a serious knee injury. Brocky will have to move across and he's in quite good shape. So, we lost two 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 loses with him and Kitsy. So having Lizzo and Steve, look, you don't replace Steve and Kitsov, but that yeah, I think we've done as well as we could. And they 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 look, they weren't even playing Curry Cup at the back end last year at the unions. So it's quite a bit of rebuilding on them. But those those are the signings. I must say, um, maybe next year we look at a lock, maybe another centre to give some backup, but probably the happiest Best, most energized, cohesive squad we've had. I know we can't talk about Stormers for too long. The cohesive squad we've had. So I'm really excited with where we are. Just quickly on Warwick, I mean, have you, um, what has he picked up in Paris? He's so more astute with general game management than he was. Look, I don't think they're overtrained there. I think that, yeah, the French training frustrated him. He's lost seven or eight kilos since he came back here. But definitely a massive awareness around the kicking game and just general game management. And, and he's matured. That's exactly what he's matured so much. I think both because of the off the field, tougher experience, but just in, yeah, those guys, those big, those top, those those French league games are often like games, the big games of chess, boring chess, pieces move up the table. And uh, he sort of picked up that element. There's no player in the world I wanted back more, but having back so much more aware of the game, he's actually probably, of, of the players I've ever coached, he's probably now got the best rugby brain. Like he can sit outside a game and watch it and see stuff that we're not seeing, which is really exciting for us. Yeah, you must have won players before they go to Paris. The uh, Confi de Canard and the Jean Bombers will catch, will catch them soon enough. He was a big machine that got off the plane. (laughs) (laughs) He quite enjoyed the French life there and off the field, shall I say. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I I, I think we must move on to the World Cup. But I'm just going to say, we'll we'll get back to you at some point just to, yeah, how you're going to sort of manage that in the season with, you know, Marnie, Damien, um, and all these other guys now suddenly in your back line. You've got got some some interesting choices to make when the season comes along. Yeah, correct. You know, that's. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very <laughs> tough. It's, it's something we're all going to learn. We're going to get to do. 
Yeah. Um, just uh, just uh, looking at the World Cup, just your thoughts. So you've been obviously watching. I know it's unfair to ask you about specific things of the Springboks and that um, as a franchise coach. And But just your general impressions about maybe trends that you've seen in the World Cup and what's what's really surprised you in terms of the way the teams have played? Yeah, look, I thought there was something that really worried me before, before, the, before the World Cup was yeah, we've, we spoke to Tapa a little bit about it before the competition started. There used to be a law that you had to be a realistic. The law was saying you had to be in a really realistic position to catch the ball. And uh, now, you know, they've got this thing to play the ball. And we saw that Munster, Munster absolutely pulled our pants down in that, in that USC final. Well, those guys, you saw it. We've seen it in many games, not just our game, where the sort of chasing, the chasing guy launches himself three yards up, just goes with a hand to try and tap, tap it back. And the poor wing or fullback is catching the contestable has got he can't tap it back because he's the last line of defense. He's going to be tapping back towards his own try line. And uh, to me, this was causing collisions and uh, really unfair on the receiving uh, guy. You know, I thought if both guys in a realistic position to catch the ball, um, I think it would make it safer and I think it would make it more competitive. I thought this was going to encourage far more box kicks before the World Cup. Look, we were very, very clever against Scotland with the Finn Russell type, Marnie type, uh, open side contestable kicks. Uh, you, you, know, you call them fades or cross kicks or what do you want to call them? Kick passes, those kicks because they they haven't seen as many as I thought because there's a bit of a spin of a deal of, of a wheel, there, isn't there? You know, sometimes our opposition can score if they if they beat you. Um, I think a good way of getting by of, of, of sort of challenging a rush defense of getting behind a defense. So that's that's nice. I think it's been a better product than 2019, a better product than I was expecting to be seen in terms of attractive rugby from South Africa and 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 and, and lots of other teams. <laughs> England have gone back to being England. <laughs> yeah, what I've picked up is uh, it's something very similar, but it also maybe taps into the audience you're playing in front of, because in Japan, people would have probably taken whatever comes their way, but the French crowds are actually, they get on your back if there is too much kicking. Okay? They've not been scared to boo people. The noise of the crowd switches instant, isn't it, in France? Mm. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To The Last Drop podcast. No, but just to say, I mean, to me, it's been quite interesting, obviously, to talk about Marnie and Andre, and I'm sure you, like every other South African, have followed yeah. Um, yeah, the whole debate about Marnie's kicking and that. Um, uh, a lot of it, a bit unfair, um, but I suppose that comes with the territory of being a Springbok 10. Um, people expect you to make certain goals. Just some, some insights. I mean, you guys got it right and, and Gareth worked a lot with Marnie at the Stormers. Um, what have you seen in terms of that, that whole debate with Marnie's kicking? Yeah, look, I mean, the Ireland game obviously was the, the terror, wasn't it? That's when the whole world unfolded and everything came crashing down on Marnie. Um, and he missed two kicks. I know they were, of course, imminently kickable kicks, but. To miss two kicks and get, attract that amount of vitriol when you brought so much to that game and the Springboks in terms of attack. And I think Rassi speaking about what Marnie's brought to the game is great. And, and we probably got the return on backing Marnie in very similar circumstances. I remember him having an awful game for us once in Durban early on in his reign. And I'm saying to Marnie, don't worry, Marnie's, um, you play next week. And, you know, he, I think people thought I backed him, but... The truth was, Kate Volunteer was injured and Tim Sweel was injured, you know. And um, I just saw the return we got from back. And I think the Springboks did a very clever thing because I think since the start of this World Cup, we've seen a far, far more assured Marnie in terms of attack, trying things, you know, trying. I think when he went off that World Cup, he felt really backed. The thing with Marnie, he, he, he practices his goal kicking all day. But he never let us down with a match-winning, match, with a match winning, must-win kick. 
when he's had a couple of setbacks, he's actually the guy who looks quite unflappable and, and, and tends to bounce back. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think there's this paradigm that somebody like him, because you're mercurial, I'm trying to think, maybe he's somebody in the past, you guys remember, you know, a mercurial fly-off or something like that, or for when they spiral, they spiral <laughs> when they spiral, um, they're meant to spiral completely and just fall apart. I promise you, Marnie's got, he, he's got big match temperament. There's no question. In that game against Ulster, we won in the semi-final, the first yeah. GRC. He'd missed three, three or four kicks before then and then slotted over from the corner. Mm. That exactly goes to your point, I think. How do you see it? Um, well, uh, look, I mean, I'd, I'd honestly say, I mean, you carry on playing it. I think it's good to have Andre there, and I think uh, my old view has been it's better to have two good flowers there and, and, yeah. and choose according to the opposition. And so to me, it's not a either-or situation. I don't think I'd change the midfield. I think both our, our 12s have been exceptionally good this World Cup. Um, and, and I mean, it's the same thing with Lucania. Now, do you bring Lucania back, back in? I just don't see him having played enough rugby. It's great to have him there. But I mean, it's not oh, like Jesse Krill yeah. has been playing badly. Um, I know, I know that, you know, Lacanya's got all sorts of nuances that Jesse doesn't have. But, um, yeah, also, I mean, maybe you can also answer this one. I mean, what does it do to a squad? I mean, you've seen that when you bring players in from the outside. Um, you've got to, that's the other thing that also, you know, it's a very thing. You can easily upset that squad dynamic by, you know, bringing a guy from outside and suddenly playing it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's what I said. I thought they were genius at the start when uh, they took Marnie alone. Uh, 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 yeah, and uh, how Marnie's reacted to that. I haven't spoken to him. But, uh, you know, we, we I think, and I've been guilty of it, a lot of us second-guessing Rassi and Jacques, and then we, we, you guys know, we all know that they are, they've got every plan, scenario, genius. They've way ahead probably my thinking or our thinking right now. Uh, yeah. There was also the Owen Frank scenario, I think, for the last World Cup, also not in the tournament, but just before, where they decided, well, we're going to go with other guys. Yeah, what's the? I don't know how much the the, the quarterfinal opponent. I mean, it's too late now. But the quarterfinal opponent, I don't know what 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 level that changes thing. You know, and it looks like France, and how much that changes anything. I, I think I think to me, I mean, that's uh, as I said. I mean, the, the, we're talking about a coaching team that's won a World Cup, so you they have earned the benefit of the doubt in, in these scenarios. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, if they fail, they fail. And then if they, they succeed, it's another world cup and everybody's happy. So I'm pretty happy leaving that to them. But I just think, yeah, the whole, the whole sort of debate's been a bit overblown just as this week, the conspiracy theories. Um, yeah. and yeah, I don't know how much you hearing yeah. on that side of the world from it, but if I have to open Twitter again and yeah, how front, uh, Ireland and Scotland are going to have this Faustian pack <laughs> to, to go and go in the, yeah, score 40, 49 points. The other one scores 21. And, ah, oh, geez, I mean, I'm, I'm just so sick of wasting energy on that. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. it's rather ridiculous. And I, and I can't see teams preparing for stuff like that, especially when Scotland just have to win 8 0 or by eight points to be through. I did have a, a little chuckle, and this is, um, this needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. But, um, and, and you know me and conspiracy theories. <laughs> but when I saw Nick Berry as the referee, I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, that's, the irony the irony hasn't been lost there, I must admit. <laughs> that's probably got more legs than anything anything else. <laughs> and, 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 but yeah, the, 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 that's just I mean, Brendan, you're right, we shouldn't waste any time. But it's it's such an impossibility that two teams I mean, we 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 we've been approached with it. We we've had two I can't remember one competition, you know, if we've got a losing bonus point and you go up to the opposition coach and say, Give us one today. 
But you, to do something of this thing, those guys will be thrown out of world sport forever. It'll be a, a, a thing of rugby. Before you've even got to the staff, you've got 46 players involved. Drop that guy the next week. He's going to say to you, I'm going to tell you what you did. I'm going to tell what you did against Scotland. It's, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's just, you're right. It's wasting our data if we carry on with that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's, it's rather ridiculous. But I suppose it keeps people entertained in the week where there's not much going on. There should be enough in that game anyway. I mean, I think if, if, if I was Ireland, uh, probably the last team you'd want to play in this scenario was somebody that you play every year that knows you so well. Um, I, I don't think Ireland are going to lose, but um, I, they, Scotland are going to make it very tough for them. Yeah, Scot- Scotland. We were Scotland was so poor against us because they're such a better team. You know, they didn't use uh, Pierce Kuma. They didn't run off nine. They just went moved to try to move the ball wide, and we just absolutely crunched them. But they'll be much better against the Irish team that they know. Skimming and then we'll start carrying off nine again. They'll open up both sides. I agree. I think with you, Brennan, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's going to be a high, 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 high level. And Scotland's style of rugby, other than against us, is brilliant. So, yeah, but we're through. There's no question we're through. Yeah, the two teams that are worrying, maybe worrying me in a little bit, is 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 England and Wales. The fact that they both qualified, and while I don't think they're in the same league as the top four teams in 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 you know, the competition on our side of the draw. Um, they, especially Wales, they're building a bit of momentum and they, and both of those teams have got the ability to drag you into the gutter and, and maybe have that one big game that, especially against after you've battled through the, the, you know, the big, the big pool to get to that point. I thought it was quite telling in the, uh, the warm up game between England and Wales when England had, I think at one point they had 12 players and Wales had the lead and they couldn't get the job done. That they're certainly missing an element there. That's a, they just don't have the, uh, basically the, almost the BMT to win a, a game. I know it was a warm up game. It was, didn't really matter, but that they still needed a couple of components, a couple of layers to their game and, and their self belief perhaps, uh, to go on and win a big tournament. I think I've got a, I think they've got a lot more self belief now. I think Brendan's right. In the gutter, they'll be hard to get rid of. Mm. I suppose there's also that 2019 semi final where I thought, I, I sat there thinking, why is this game still within a score, um, you know, uh, of being decided yeah. on the other? And, of course, Pollard got us over the line then. But um, it was almost a case of, have we shown them too much respect? Because, I mean, the, the, you just felt the box had an extra gear and they just didn't want to go there. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Look, France, the box do have an extra gear now with the, with, yeah, with mm. the, the, the back three. Uh, you know, look, I think... You know, you're going to sound. You're going to think I'm completely stormers, uh, crazy now. <laughs> you can use that word. <laughs> if we go on and win the the World Cup, obviously Anton Dupont will be will yeah close to World Player of the Year. But Damien Willems will be on that list, you know. And you've got a back three of Chesney Colby and Kirtley and Damien and Marnie. It's just an X that wasn't there perhaps in 2019. I think you know. Um, I might. Be, I said I might be, I'm definitely biased, and I might be wrong, but I just think he's you know he's just bringing something else as well. I, I just want to bring up something. I thought yeah. from Ava brought it up yesterday on Twitter, and I thought it was actually quite a quite a pointed thing. Is that you know for all the talk about head clashes and and player welfare and things like that, um, yeah, a, a broken cheekbone is is. And I saw it as Makazola Mapimpi that to bring a player back like that after a head clash like that, surely there's going to be some sort of player welfare um, questions asked. I mean, I know we all want to see DuPont at the World Cup, but I mean, 
Yeah, not if it's going to be long-term uh, issues for him. I'm just wondering. I know it sounds like a South African trying to, trying to paint a conspiracy theory there, but... Uh, but I think from a team point of view, they're going to put all their hope on this guy now. Rush him back, get the special mask made. If he doesn't make that game, you know, I would have thought there would be an argument saying, chaps, we're going to stand up. We're going to get through this quarterfinal by ourselves. And we're going to, Anton's going to lead us out in the semi. You're with Brendan Nell and Liam Delcom on the To The Last Drop podcast. Listen, you've got another job to do, you two, because we've got to... Probably the three of us might not see a World Cup in South Africa again, thanks to the corruption around the French, but <laughs> half of them are in jail, and they've taken our World Cup away. <laughs> but there's, a, there's that element to it. I mean, that, that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, this, this tournament should have been in South Africa. Uh, yeah. And you've got this possibility of the host going out to the quarterfinals. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> I, I remember being in Paris yeah. uh, the, the, the day uh, that announcement came through because of the, the, that was done in the U.K., and um, when the announcement came through, it was because we all obviously expected, you know, that the preferred um, bidder was going to get it. And um, once news came through, it was just so deflating. And, of course, the box were building up that week to a, to a test against France. So it was just, um, yeah, I just took the wind out of everybody's sails. I wonder if that will come up next week or two weeks. Yeah, that weekend, the quarter final again. I'm sure somebody will bring it up. So. <laughs> It would have been even better if it was the build-up to the final, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, why do you do? Tell us, what do you do in an off week like this? I don't have an off week. I've I've actually had um, I had yesterday off, but it became also a travelling day, and I'm off today. So, those are the two, only two off days I'll get in fifty plus days. Um, for the other guys, I know some of them made a, a plan to uh, catch a ferry somewhere. I'm not sure what they did or where they went, um, but they. Went across the waters, and I don't. As I say, I mean, I don't don't know where they ended up. Um, but the point is, you can't go too far because it's a World Cup, and if something happens, you still need to be around to do what you've been sent for. And do you guys get chance to take off during the training camp to to watch the games? And most of them are late at night, at least. So. Yeah, so the guys watch them on. They watch Sunday night. We didn't. The, the management took Sunday night off <laughs> completely. We went to a backpackers. Yeah, and. Uh, this funny place of the wilderness there. And there, um, uh, Mike DeFries, you know, our media guy, <laughs> he was going to the bathroom and he was taking a bit of strain. You know, we've been going, we've been going for a fair long time. So he wasn't looking too stable, but he went off to the bathroom and some guy, some sort of guy with bare feet came up and offered us, gave him a Coke Zero and said, it looks like you're having a bad trip. I don't know what they thought Mike had had, you know, a few castle lines. <laughs> mm. uh, but we, um, we actually, I've actually learned a bit with camps is not to fill them with too, you know, as much time as you want to do team building stuff all the time when we do. Like, so tomorrow they got completely off. They can go to nice and play golf or whatever. Sometimes that downtime is hanging in each other's rooms, bonding. It's as important as the sort of, you know, the training and the sort of team building time. But uh, tomorrow's right off, then we play Friday, then we're done. Mm. The, the, the irony for me is that we've got, um, while I'm at the World Cup, you guys, I think, see a lot more because you, you're either traveling or you're busy writing or yeah. if there's a nine o'clock kickoff, you invariably probably in your room. Um, and it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the place that you're in has access to, you know, the particular channel that you need, uh, you know, to watch a game. So I think you guys will end up watching a ton more than, than I would have. Yeah, probably. 
Yeah, but I still think that's that's a complaint that doesn't go down well because you're at the game. So, that's <laughs> the game. so uh, sorry, sorry, I'm going to deny that one. I'll yeah. send you a picture of my next bouillabaisse and a, the gl- a glass of rosé. I can see when Brenda, when you said about missing out on the ferry, didn't Brenda didn't feel too sorry for you? <laughs> That's your biggest complaint: missing out on the ferry trip. Yeah, she's for chopping. <laughs> he said to me last week, though. He said he said last week he's got this half bottle of rosé. I was thinking, like, what's this thing of a half bottle? I mean, I've never I've never seen the with a half bottle of anything, to be very honest. So. <laughs> Sometimes I see the bottle half full, Brendan. I mean, I'm that kind of guy. Ah, I see. Yes, it has to be that. Obviously, we 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 do a bit of wine on the show as well. Um, I had um, I, I must admit, last night I also uh, uh, I'm a bit rusty this morning. I'm not as uh, wide eyes as I should be because um, also I got I, I've done a book and it came yesterday. The, the book finally arrived, and I know you've written books as well. So and DM as well. So that's Brendan. What's the book? Which is the book? The book's a, a book on Derek Hochard. It's an unauthorized biography, so um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's a bit different for South African markets. So, um, and, yeah, the book arrived yesterday, so that feeling of actually having the book in your hands mm. after all that hard work. So I had to open a bottle of wine or two. So, uh, no, well, I mean, for, sorry to interrupt, but, I mean, yeah. firstly, right, unauthorized biographies are, are brave. They're not part of our cult. Yeah, it's very much part of the mm. UK. Absolutely. So well done with that, and yeah, as, 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 as with winging it and all that, he's written. A, I mean, it is a feeling of a baby. People don't appreciate that. It's a well done, name. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, when the writing process itself is a is a beast because you just when you start out, where you yeah. you're halfway, you just feel it will never get done, and it's <laughs> like eating an elephant. And that and that almost oh, feels well, like it's so long ago, you know, because there's obviously that period after you've written it till till it gets edited and now it's in form. So it feels like it's almost because, years ago. You sort of fear, that, you know, writing an authorized one, you might get some message in your to say this. And this is, <laughs> sorry, this is, are you worried about that at all, Brendan, or is it? Is it like- uh, no, I don't think so. I think I think I always went out with that thing of uh, it's been a difficult process because. It's not a great story to tell, and I, I mean, I don't think yeah. a lot of people know the ins and outs of the guy's story. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster in terms of trying not to throw the guy under the bus, but telling the story honestly, yeah. and um, yeah, and and and, and yeah, t- talking about the the ugly stuff that has to be talked about. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's it's. I'm sure I'm going to get some blowback at some point as well. Um, yeah, because they yeah, rugby fans don't like it when you you sort of. You know, unmask sort of some. I don't know, unmask is probably yeah. the wrong word, but you know, sort of show them certain things about their favourite players, and especially in yeah. Pretoria. Um, yeah, he was he's a huge hero, and and, and still, I hope he stands out of this. I mean, the fact that he ended up in a coma about two months ago, two three months ago, yeah, I mean, just shows how serious the situation was, and yeah, I mean. To, to me, I mean, we don't want to see anybody there. But there's, I mean, there's obviously bigger questions there that that also need to be addressed. And I mean, we could keep talk about hours about player welfare and players leaving the game and what happens to them afterwards and how that spiral becomes a big thing as well. So I mean, there's lots of those issues as well that are addressed in the book as well. So um, yeah, it was a was a bit of a I must have a labor of love in a way. And and I think yeah, there's going to be a couple of eyebrow raising moments in the book for a lot of people. I mean, I do think it's something that's important in South African journalism or literature that we do go this route rather than these sanitized things, you know, and just from, just quickly from my side, I did an exercise with all my players over the last month 
And it's just, I've been blown away by how guys have got made issues. Yeah, I played, or maybe you did, you guys did rugby recreationally. And if I got dropped, yeah, recreate as a hobby, you know, could have remote aircraft flight, but I played rugby. And if I got dropped to the first to the second team, that was it. You know, that was the fine or the second team to the third team. These guys, I, I'm trying to think of one guy I didn't think who, out of the, you know, the 47 conversations I had didn't have a serious demon. You know, a serious thing, whether they, it could be less serious than playing for the, the, a passed away father or trying to support eight siblings or um, the pressures. There's nobody playing rugby because they just enjoy the game. Very few guys, you know, nice model C school, go to varsity cup, play rugby. Even those guys are, are, are battling, uh, you know, what they're going to do afterwards. Their dad's passed away or their mom, they're supporting a single mom or whatever the story. It's, it's mind-blowingly darker than it was, I reckon, 20 years ago. So, You've done a good thing, thing there. I think it's something we really, I'm saying to our guys, our new investors, we're going to get caught short on this unless we start addressing this really, really properly. It's going to be cataclysmic. Mean, and her God may be a good talisman, man. So what I'm doing that. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's almost a, 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 sh- a show on its own if you just uh, tackle that, in the, you know, put that in yeah. isolation and just sink your teeth into that, yeah. I think we should address it at some point. I mean, to, to me, the whole thing was, at the end of the day, if if, if that book helps one person sort of identify issues that that yeah and, and try and get somebody help or yeah then then it's done its job so um obviously i love sales I and mean, we all love sales when we do a book but um yeah i mean if, if it does that then i feel then i've done a, a decent job on it so um but yeah if you if you're listening to this the book's called Derek Hogart the virus story from Loftus Leafling it's in Afrikaans unfortunately I'm trying to get them to do an English version but if there's enough sales I'm sure they might look at it uh, but yeah go out and get it if you can Okay, I think we, we've we've probably kept yeah. Dobbo enough. He's going to go do some training for his team as well. But uh, thanks for joining us, Dobbo. And hopefully we get to speak to you again a couple of times this season with uh, some good Stormers news at some point. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, well, Brendan, Liam, uh, yeah, enjoy the sham and you poor thing. You can't go on the sea today. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I could show you the, the view from the apartment. It's, uh, it's you know, it's overlooking the port of Toulon and it's, there are many sailboats around here, and it's, there's no wind today. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave you with a thought. Not one of those sailboats are yours. Cheers, guys. We'll speak next week. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.